Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Let's focus on the Panthers' offensive line play with a man who uh, a lot of y'all are going to remember as Panther fans, was with the Panthers on the O-line, did a hell of a job, and uh, is doing a lot of things post-career. But one of the things you'll see him do is break down O-line play on social media, on Twitter, and one of the things he was breaking down the other day, Bone, was some of the struggles that our second-year player, Ike Iquanu, is facing at left tackle in terms of, uh, not, not according to Mike, uh, our guest, not being taught proper footwork. So let's talk about it. Mike Wall, former Panther offensive lineman, joins us to talk about Ike and the Panthers O-line in general. Mike, how you been, man? What's going on? Hey, guys. Good talking to you. Yeah, just... Uh... Just watch some tape and uh, put my thoughts out there once in a while. Well, hey, and I, we like when you do that because listen, O line play. I mean, well, let's let's start let's start with the, with the facts. Us evaluating football at all, you know, is is probably we're probably not hitting all the right notes. But O line play is something that I think to the average Joe, I think there's a lot of stuff that that is unknown and mysterious. So explain kind of what you were explaining on Twitter. You also use three different highlight clips of, of Icky to kind of show what you're talking about. It seems like you think his footwork and body position, hand placement, like all this technique stuff, I guess it's inconsistent. Like he's doing it different ways, like throughout the game. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, when you got a guy as talented as Icky Aquano, and he is ridiculously talented, what generally happens is it's the same thing that happens in basketball and a bunch of these other sports is you got a lot of coaches along the way, high school, college, even the pros to some extent, uh, that really don't want to coach those guys. They want to just let them be athletes. Yeah. And what inevitably happens when you get to the National Football League is you're playing against grown men that, have been, that are also phenomenal athletes doing this for their entire lives. And, and, and when you meet up, the technical master of the two is going to win more confrontations. The whole sport's about winning your individual matchups when you're playing a position like offensive line. And so when you're inconsistent with your footwork, your body position, your hand placement, when you haven't focused on making that automatic, precise, and accurate, you're inevitably going to fail because your default is putting your palms up in the air when things go bad. You don't really have a best way to do anything. And so for a guy like Icky, it really just comes down to stop trying to learn four different ways to pass that and do one way really well, be consistent, be automatic, and you're going to find that then your athleticism and all the traits that you have that make you special are really going to transfer onto the field of play. Should we be highly concerned right now about Icky, Mike, from from what you see, or do you think that these, these issues are fixable in time? Yeah, everything's fixable. It really just comes down to, you know, I don't know Icky at all. I've never been around him. Yeah. Uh, I do know James Camp, and I know that James Camp has put out a lot of good 
uh, lines and, and, and coached a lot of good linemen. So he knows what it looks like. Um, and he's certainly put, he was a former player. He's put in time. With, with a guy like Icky, what you have to always recognize is you are, you know, not programmed, but I mean, since the kid was probably 12 years old, let's just be honest, guys were probably kissing his backside, right? Telling him how great he was. Yeah. And those guys usually don't get the amount of technical coaching that is required to say somebody like, like I was, who's just kind of an average athlete who has to get by on, on, on technical mastery. So, again, as you rise through the ranks and you go through this process and you're always the best athlete on the field, maybe you look over and gloss over some of those things. That's why we – listen, the reason that we love Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, guys like that, was because they were the best athletes and they had the work ethic yeah. and they had the attention to detail. So you can have one or the other, but – Guys like Icky, if they can get both, they're going to be really special. No, we, that's, we, had, that's we had we had neither on this radio show. We, got, <laughs> we don't have the yeah, tech. Hey, you're in good company, then, boys. <laughs> <laughs> we got no ability, no technique. No, no, no. no. Uh, but somehow they still keep us around. All right, Mike Wall is with us. Four Panther O line man, a man who went to a, a Pro Bowl as a Carolina Panther on the O line. I think he's explaining this to like to to us regular Joes pretty well. Now, oh, you brought up camping. Here's the interesting thing about this is, I, like, we hear so much praise of James Camp, and we I, we love him. His personality is amazing. And so he's a guy that we think Icky's in good hands with him. How long does it take? Because I'm looking at this like, okay, Campy's had him for a season and a third right now or almost a season and a half. How long does it take a good old line coach to kind of, like, kind of coach this extreme talent that's never really been taught technique up? How long of a project is that? Well, listen, assuming that what I'm saying is accurate, you know, it, it really just comes down to the amount of time that the individual player wants to put in. It comes down to the amount of time that the, the coach is allowed to put in. Listen, the best three hours of a coach's day, the coach's day during the season is like 20-hour day. I mean, yeah. they're terrible days. Yeah. The best three hours that they get are when they're around their players. So they're trying to cram as much stuff as they can in during that time. And he's got, what, 10, 11, 12 people in his, in his room and so while getting Nicky right is a priority, he also has other priorities. Um, listen, I, I work with a lot of guys in the National Football League now. I work with a lot of individual athletes on, on just exactly what we're talking about with Nicky. And I do that in large part because the guys that really want to be elite know that they can't get enough out of team practice anymore just because of the way the CBA is set up and, quite frankly, some of the limitations of the coaches that are being hired in those positions now from a scheme standpoint, they're super heavy and, and intelligent from a technical standpoint mm. or how the body moves and body mechanics, maybe yeah. not so much. So I think the bottom line with Icky is if you think that you're just going to go to practice and, and I'm talking about really anybody, but if you think you're just going to go to practice and get enough out of practice to become an elite level player, that's just not the recipe for success in the national football league. The best guys in the league are doing extra. Yeah. Mike, I talked to someone last week uh, that knows the Panthers well about the inner workings of a lot of stuff, including the offensive line. I want to see if this makes sense to you. He said that last year when Steve Wilkes took over, it became a physical power run dominant team at the offensive line of scrimmage there. Bozeman moving forward, Icky moving forward. This offense now is those guys playing more in space. They're exposed. They're spread out more. They're in pass protection more. Is that what you're seeing, not just from Mickey, but from Bozeman as well, that this offense doesn't really necessarily fit their skill set like it did at the end of last year? You know, I always have a hard – well, listen, you can be put in disadvantageous, disadvantageous situations from a 
from a scheme standpoint, certainly. And so if their schemes change fundamentally because they have a new quarterback and they want to, they want to test them out, you know, that's probably uh, an issue. You know, listen, James Campen knows how to coach inside zone, outside zone, pin and pull, man blocking, gap blocking. And the thing is, if you're a good offensive lineman or a good offensive line, you can do whatever's required, right? Um, the problem nowadays is we have too many statistics. And when you've got a young quarterback who holds the ball, when you've got a young quarterback who doesn't necessarily read defenses as fast as maybe an Aaron Rodgers per se, uh, your, your offensive line is just not going to look as good. If you, if, you have a, if you have tight ends that don't block very well, your offensive line is not going to look as good. If you have a defense, if, if you're constantly behind in games and you have to play catch-up, your offensive line is not going to look as good. So there's a ton of things that go into this, but I think fundamentally we need to, you know, my my, my two cents would be offensive linemen that are good are good at everything, and offensive lines that that are successful in this league can play any scheme under any conditions, any opponent that you want. All right, last thing is more of a personal question, Mike. Uh, uh, are, you, oh, no. are you afraid of this? Uh, this it makes me nervous. I'm curious about <laughs> this, okay? I've always been curious. And I look at your picture on your Twitter bio. And by the way, Mike, you can get a, a lot of these O-line breakdowns, including the one on Icky, on Twitter, at MikeWall68. But I look at your bio, and like I'm looking at him, and I'm like, man, look at Mike and how much slimmer you are. Like I can't believe you played O-line in the NFL. And a guy you know well, Jordan Gross, the weight he lost, it's like he looks. I mean, he looks like a you know a, a dang wide receiver now, for God's sakes. How unnatural is it? The weight you like is it totally unnatural? Is is it unhealthy? Like it just seems like it's a lot of you guys when you're out in the league, it's like oh that's what that guy would look like if he didn't have to keep his weight up. Yeah, I think for listen, for the friends that I have in the offensive line category in the National Football League, when they retire, they go fifty pounds one way or the other. Yeah. Like everyone's kind of around three hundred, and then I got buddies that are three fifty, three sixty. I got buddies that are two twenty. Yeah, and uh, like for me, I, I busted my shoulder up real bad when I was in Carolina. It kind of ended my career, yeah. so I can't keep as much weight on that as I want to. I'd like to walk around with another 20 pounds up top and look like a world's strongest man, but I just can't, I can't keep it anymore. So this is what, uh, this is what walking upstairs without sweating looks like for me. And I, right now it's good enough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating. You know what, what, you know, your situations and you're right. Some guys will go the other way. I, I didn't play online, but I've gone the way of adding the weight on Mike recently. I will, I will readily admit that one. Um, well, I, Mike, hey, <laughs> we appreciate you, brother, man, everybody. Uh, it's good insight on Twitter at Mike wall and uh, wall is W a, H-L-E at Mike Wall 68. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. You guys got it. Have a good one. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. All right, so I have not seen those movies. You know what movie I have seen, though? What Bri- Bryce playing quarterback from his backside. Because mm. the offensive line had been very good this What's year. What's that Russ? rated? It's rated X. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should say that or R, but it's it's not for children to watch how bad the offensive line has been. Because Bryce Young has been running for his life back there quite a bit. So if you look at left tackle, we know Iki Aquanu has regressed this season, and that's unfortunate. But also, some people will tell you that sacks are a QB stat, more so than it is an offensive line stat. How much of these sacks are on Bryce Young for not getting the football out of his hands quickly enough? Well, it always depends, man. You have to look at... Obviously, we can't sit in the film room with the coaches and know how every little nuance of the play was supposed to go. But he's the seventh most sacked quarterback in the NFL, 22 sacks he's taken. But I think a lot of times the most glaring way to be able to tell is if Bryce is just sitting there holding the football sometimes. And especially a quarterback like him, not to say every play he's going to be flawless, but a quarterback like him where you know the processing is really, really good. You either know that, okay, yeah, he may not know what he's doing, but more than likely it's a coverage sack. Nobody got open. He had to take it. But when you see some of these sacks where he's barely got time to uh, do anything and he's going down, then, yeah, it's an offensive line issue. And I'm sure that out of the six times that he was sacked on Sunday, maybe one or two of those could have been on him. But And then sometimes the defense just has a good job. You have to give up credit where it's due. Sometimes the defense has a perfect play called. Offenses can have perfect plays called. Sometimes the defense does. But the majority of the time, you know, it, it's on the offensive line. You got to be there to protect. And we saw some of those like the first play when Icky got confused on the stunt and the linebacker came around and got it. The delayed blitzes. Uh, sometimes those delayed blitzes are just gotcha plays. They got gotcha. you. Like, you know, guys aren't open quick enough. Linebacker comes. And so, uh, but yeah, I would just say the majority of sacks on a quarterback are going to be on the offensive line. So I think if you go back and look at the first three games, there were times I was frustrated with Bryce not getting the football out of his hands. I don't know if I've seen that as much as the season has gone on. But also, if you look at 980's text on 704-570-9610, he writes in, watch the JT O'Sullivan QB school on YouTube. It's really good. Lots of times there are hardly any receivers open. I believe we have some audio about that a little bit later on in the show for the live wire. But that that would be the saving grace for Bryce because the offensive line allowing blitzes to get through, allowing pressure to get through, that's one thing, clearly on the offensive line. But also, if Bryce Young is escaping and then trying to find somebody downfield and nobody's getting separation and Bryce doesn't want to throw it in harm's way, then it's also a coverage sack. So sometimes it's, it really compounds an issue. So if you're talking about the receivers not being open, the offensive line not 
blocking for it. Man, think about how much Bryce has to overcome just to complete a good play. <laughs> okay, so we don't have it, it's Adam Thielen. Nope, Adam Thielen's covered this time. I can't get anything from Mingo. Chark ain't running free downfield. Oh, and now I'm on my back because Ike Aquanu blew an assignment. And so that's really tough. Frank Reich talked about this as well. Frank Reich talked about if the sacks fall more on the QB or on the offensive line. Here's what the head coach had to say. I can honestly say that there, you know, it felt like in the game there was one or two. I felt like, uh, get that out. But then as I watched the film, there was nowhere to get it out. The, the one or two times that I thought there, it didn't look like there was anywhere to get it out to. So, um, you know, we collectively have to do a better job of giving him outlets, you know, when it, when it's not there down the field. Um, and so that it's all it's all part of it. Like I said, there's no one thing. When you get sacked six times, it's, you know, maybe one of it's one thing. You got one reason. You got four different reasons in six sacks. So we got to get those cleaned up. I think with this Houston game, I think most of it is the offensive line from what we saw mm-hmm. because he was escaping a lot. And there were so many times where he had to maneuver in the pocket or just outside of it because he couldn't stay where he was or else he was going to be sacked. So Bryce Young, I think, saved and actually saved uh, the offensive line from more sacks given up. And we even saw some of the completions. Chuba Hubbard got ran over by Jalen Peter and Chuba Hubbard at least was there. But that means pressure's getting by. Jonathan Grenard just teed off against Ike Iquano. You know, there was some inside pressure as well. And so I I think that's what it was for me watching Bryce Young. I do put it more on the offensive line and what we saw. But this is another question. You know, is there anything that you could do to help him out there? Is it just because now we have it with Frank Reich. We saw Bryce Young under, uh, under a lot of pressure. And we saw it with Thomas Brown. And while the Texans defense has been good under D'Amico Ryans, you would sure hope that your offensive line can protect against that line better than what they did. So what can you do to help Bryce Young out, or is this just inevitable, Wes? Well, you can incorporate different protections. You have your, I don't know what they may call them, but you have slide protections. You got zone protections. You got fan protections. And then, you know, you can roll out, get your quarterback on the move and do things like that, man. But at the end of the day, in the words of Ray Lewis, you got to play football. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, there's going to be enough plays that you're just going to have to line up and say, all right, man, you're not beating me on this rep. You're not getting to my quarterback. And uh, you can try to disguise things as much as you want. But like you said, these coaches, these coordinators, they're so smart. They know things. They know, okay, they're trying to hide what's going on over there on that left side, so we're going to attack it because that's exactly what I felt like the first play of the game was. But Carolina, I thought D'Amico Ryans recognized the weakness on that offensive line, and he said, we're going to attack this. And Icky has to understand that people are going to do that until he proves I'm not to be messed with over here. Um, and that's just the bottom line. And so for Carolina, the main thing is just they're just, they're just not strong enough up there. The personnel is just not there. They're 28th right now when you look at PFF in terms of pass block grade as a unit. So 48.6 for them as a team uh, in the pass blocking department. And that's just not going to cut it. And it just comes down to are your guys better than my guys? Because come on now, Houston, these weren't household names that we were seeing just dominating where you're playing against a vaunted defensive line with guys that you're just worried about. Like that Grenard is a solid player. Um, but, you know, he just he looked like all world 
like the second coming of LT, Bruce Smith, whichever one you want to pick to say. And uh, that's just an issue that the Panthers are going to have to address. You could try to shuffle some guys around, and I feel like they have, especially on the interior. They've moved the guards. You've seen different combinations of guard this season. They're not going to move. They're not going to swap the tackles more than likely. They're not going to put Icky on the right and Taylor right. Moten on the left. Uh, that would be hard to accomplish. So it's just a thing that they're going to have to try to get through it. Talk about trade deadline. Didn't make a move there. Maybe that was something you could try to do. Uh, I know the Vikings traded their guard. I forget what his name was. And Ezra Cleveland. Yeah, Ezra Cleveland. Some people name. thought that Ezra. maybe you could have done that. But even still, offensive line is a unit, and one guy's not going to come in there and change that. All right, so I've seen a couple of texts here, and you have it on the rundown as well. Is it time to consider moving Iki Aquanu inside? That's I, a da- Well, go ahead. My bad. Oh, no, you finish. Well, it's just it's it's dangerous territory to explore now because we all felt good about Iki Aquanu being the left tackle this year. We didn't think he was a pro bowler last season, but as a first-year player, Iki played well on the left side. You ultimately draft him at sixth overall because you think he's a left tackle. You don't draft a guard sixth overall when you have a left tackle need. That would be silly. Or else you probably would have taken your chances on Evan Neal or a Charles Cross. You drafted Icky because you think he could protect the blind side. So here we are midway through his second season of NFL football. And now you want to start tinkering with his position. I view it the same way as sitting and starting a young QB. All right, well, he's not ready for this game. We'll sit him out. Now we're going to put a veteran QB in for him. And now you're just bringing him in and out. He can't develop a rhythm, to use a Steve Clifford word. And Icky doesn't ever have a chance to be successful at left tackle. But Icky was already somebody that people hypothesized he might be a guard, Wes. Like, that was a part of his college tape. Was he athletic enough? Did he have enough quickness and footwork to protect on the left side of the line. And so now it's, do we want to mess with that already? I I reference this conversation a lot. I remember talking with Taylor Moten tackle, tackle difference here. It wasn't necessarily Taylor Moten moving inside at guard, but I remember talking with Taylor Moten at Spartanburg a few years back when they were still tinkering with the idea of moving him left side, right side, wherever they wanted to play him. And I asked him, look, you have a solidified position that you are going to play heading into the season. How much more comfortable does that make you feel knowing what you're going to be doing every single Sunday and every rep at practice? He said, hell yeah, I'm a lot more comfortable. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable now mm-hmm. because I don't have to learn as many different things. I can focus on one position. You can worry about kicking out every single time with your right leg. I don't have to do it with my left leg anymore. I can just do it with my right leg and get into pass protection set on the right side of the line, and I don't have to try to reverse it in my head. Offensive linemen will tell you, yeah, it sounds easy enough. Just do the opposite. But think about practicing it over and over and over again. And now, all right, I got to do the exact opposite for the second half of the season. I, I would imagine, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, I would imagine it's easier moving from the outside to the inside. That's not to say that guard is easy by any means. I know it gets nasty the further in the middle that you get, but I would think that would be easier. The problem is I just don't want to mess with Icky's confidence if the future plan is to still have Icky be your future left tackle. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I was on guard when I first got to Florida, and I hated every second of it. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, right. Let me tell you that because, for one, I had lost a good bit of weight, so I was only like 250 playing guard. Oh, they the did you dirty. Team. 250? Well, 
for one, the cafeteria was so bad. I wasn't eating like I normally would. And <laughs> Florida has one of the worst cafeterias ever. And I talked to people down there still, and they said it's still like that. So I came down there. I left out of high school like 270 and some change. And I went down there and immediately lost weight. And that hot sun and the conditioning and then the food wasn't that great. So I wasn't eating you had a like six crazy. Pack, you? Not, not a six-pack. But, uh, yeah, man. And it, it was terrible because it's a different beast you have to deal with. And a lot of these defensive, the interior guys, man, they're freaks too. I mean, they 320, 330. Dexter Lawrence. I mean, come on. He had more pressures on the interior Sunday than the entire league did. Yeah, it's crazy. The interior defensive line position. No, I saw people so, talking yeah. about it. Might have been the so, most yeah. dominant. So that performance. ain't no easier <laughs> transition when I got to go in there and block somebody 6'5, 6'6, 330 that's athletic as well. But as far as the technique, yeah, you can get your hands on a guy a little bit quicker. But a lot of the same rules still apply. Still got to move your feet. Still got to keep your head out of blocks. When you look at Icky's draft evaluation and his weaknesses, you see, and I'm on uh, from WalterFootball.com. They said raw technique needs development. I've told you at times the technique was off. Bending at the waist, reaching after blitzers. Okay, hand placement needs improvement. And that's the thing, man. You see this with him. I told you he stops his feet a lot. You're going to lunge and reach at guys when you stop your feet. And that's one of the biggest problems that he has. And so to answer your question about changing positions, no, I don't think you do that now. He can really, really go to work on this stuff. Obviously, in practice and film sessions, he's going to get coached up. But I said maybe a little bit of a weight loss could help. And he's not a sloppy guy by any sense of the imagination. But maybe 10, 12 pounds off that body can get those feet a little quicker um, for him. And, and, and I don't think now is the time to move him inside unless it just gets really, really bad. And it's pretty bad now. But unless it just gets to a point where you say, look, this guy just can't cut it. You know, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of high draft picks that got moved. Like you remember, I don't know if you remember back in the day, you were young buck, but uh, Robert Gallery out of Iowa oh, yeah. came out back in the day. Later, yeah. He was supposed to be the guy. Yeah. And he ended up getting moved to guard. So uh, I think you have to go through this season. And if it just continues to be a real issue where you can see this guy just can't deal with it. And like we said, you know, if you can't deal with a guy like Grenard, that's a solid NFL player, then when you go up against the premium pass rushes, that's going to be something that's going to be at the top of your uh, scouting report. And it's going to be something that's going to make it hard for your offense to be successful over the long term. And I think what people see is a really strong dude that was really good in college in the run game. And so this is what's going to happen. We can hop in the time machine. We can go six months into the future and look at a couple of the conversations we're going to have next offseason. If this play continues, no worse, no better, but this play where he'll give you a few games where he's okay, but he gives up a sack and there are the bad games like he had against Grenard. If this continues, we're going to have the should they go after another left tackle and move Vicky inside conversation. Yeah. It's going to be pretty prevalent. If we're if we're to rank the top, if we're to predict the top five storylines next offseason, if everything remains status quo, that's going to be top five. Yeah. With the sixth overall pick, is that the move that this Panthers team should make? And another one is, I, as much as we love James Campen, What's going on with the regression? Like, I love James Campen. There are enough smart football people to have told me and you that that guy is one of the best offensive line coaches in all of the NFL. So I'm not going to allow the first half of the season to be enough of a sample size to move me off of what that opinion is. But it's certainly unfortunate that we have one of the best offensive linemen. We have a lot of the same off offensive line coaches. 
and we have a lot of the same offensive linemen from last year, and it looks so much worse than it did. It looks so much worse. So that's what's frustrating, especially when you have a number one overall pick, a quarterback and Bryce Young. Hopefully they can get it fixed. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Kyle Bailey back with you here on a Thursday. Boy, we got a busy, busy show coming your way. A whole lot to get to. And uh, let's not forget, we got a busy weekend. Uh, I'll join you first thing Sunday for Panthers and Colts. Pre-game show, 1 o'clock, live from uh, Uptown at the Doghouse across the street from the bank. A 4.05 kickoff. Make sure to get there for that. Uh, can't wait to talk a little ball. But we got a Saturday to get to before that and a whole lot to talk about on the college football front. But we welcome in a guy who is uh, certainly one of the biggest names in college football in our state, in our region, head coach of the NC State Wolfpack. They're 5-3, and three, and he is on the precipice of becoming the winningest head coach in NC State history. Dave Dorn is back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, we appreciate the time as always, man. How you been i'm good thanks for having me of course of course um a couple things i want to get to with you but let me just start with that um you know you you talked last week you know about you know your time at nc state how many games you've won since you've been there it's clear you take a lot of pride in what you do and that it's meaningful for you and and i could probably guess that you know becoming the winningest head coach in nc state history is uh, something that you'll be proud of but in your own words when that does inevitably happen how much will that mean to you yeah, I mean, it's a legacy item for me. It's something that I made a goal of mine um, six or seven years ago. I had some opportunities to leave and go to other schools and chose to stay. And that was one of the things I set as a personal goal was to become the winningest coach at this university. And uh, I've always – it's driven me. You know, it's it's been something dangling there that I've been competing really hard for. And so it's a personal thing. It's, it's definitely going to mean something. And there's been a lot of coaches that have – come through here some have stayed some have left on their own some have been fired and to make it this long and and to be able to say that that's something i've accomplished will definitely be something that means a lot to me and my family how how much has this season uh maybe deviated from what you thought it would be and and how much improvising and really just coaching have you done behind the scenes to to kind of get it back on track because for those of us that you know aren't inside your locker room we don't see all the work that goes into this every day but you know from how much maybe you expected where you expected this season to go to the deviation to getting it back on track which you've clearly done how much work's gone into that 
Uh, it's probably the hardest I've ever had to work, to be honest. Um, this team has put me to the test, you know, and um, there's a lot of really, really young people playing for us and, and um, some older players that have waited their turn and a lot of change when you lose 26 players, bring 40 new players in with the portal and uh, recruiting and staff change. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to go down as one of the hardest um, seasons I've had from a workload standpoint. And at the same time, it's been going to be one of the most memorable. I mean, I've really brought a lot of guys together in a short period of time and, and um, still have a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong, but I'm proud of the game's that we've made and how this team has continued to fight. Dave Dorn, head coach of the NC State Wolfpack. He's with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I, I saw a quote from you at your press conference, and you were pointing out one or two players that had been, I, I guess it kind of epitomized fighting through adversity, and you referenced, uh, I think what you said was, you know, kids giving up is why the U.S. is so soft. And I, I always try to be cognizant as I get older of, you know, remembering who I was at a younger age and trying to give grace to guys that are younger than me, you know, whatever the situation may be. But uh, just if you could expand on that a little bit, how much of the players change and how much differently are you having to coach guys today than maybe you were coached as a player yourself? It's changed a lot. You know, players have changed. Parents have changed, too. And uh, leadership has changed, you know, um, just across the country. I mean, you look at the presidential vote last year, and not to get into politics, but 51% voted for one guy, 49% for another. And the minute the active president speaks, 49% disagree, you know, and that's just kind of where things are. And you look at parenting and the way people helicopter around and try to help their kids out of every problem and don't let them fail and don't let them fight adversity and uh, it's just not good you know people need to learn how to deal with failure and they need to learn how to pull their bootstraps up and how to be tough and how to work hard and it's sad you know for me and watching it and feel bad for the youth of our country because of it you know, it's funny, and it kind of transitioned into what really made headlines over the weekend. Steve Smith's a good friend of mine. He joins me every Monday on the show, and, you know, I talked to him several days ago, and, and before, I guess, it even made the news, he said, you know, me and Dave are cool. He said, we already talked it out, and it was funny. When I saw what happened, one of my first thoughts was, I don't know you as well as I know Steve, but I thought, I bet you these guys would really like each other, and it seems like that thing has been smoothed over already, but I, I guess I'll let you address that really quickly. Uh, I'm sure everything's fine there, right? You and Steve came to some sort of understanding. Oh yeah, no. I, I, yeah, he sent me a video apologizing. Um, no disrespect towards me and the program, and uh, congratulate me on the win. And you know, look, I have great respect for him. Um, never met him, but you know, for someone with his caliber of accomplishments, to to have the humility to apologize even to me says the world about who he is. And like I told him, I'd love to have him down and let him be a part of our program, let him stand on the sideline, let him be in our locker room, and let him feel what we've worked so hard to build here. And it's not always successful. It's not. But it's a it's a uh, place that really embodies hard work and toughness and grit. And I think it's a place he would probably be proud of if he got to know it better. And I thank him, you know, for reaching out to me after the fact and definitely have no bad blood with him. 
No, and look, I love it. As somebody who who talks and gives opinions for a living, I you know I try to remind myself that I cannot be thin skinned. And so I I watched that interaction. I, I saw Jake Dickert, you know, go back at Lee Corso earlier this year. Ryan Day going at Lou Holtz earlier this year. It does seem like coaches. I don't know if "fed up" is the right phrase, Coach. Maybe you can you know give me a better answer there. But you know, I, I have noticed that the coaches in college football this year have not been hesitant to clap back at some of the talking heads. Why do you think that is? Well, I think people don't understand, like, this is what we do for a living, and, and public opinion does impact recruiting. Um, it does impact perception, which, as you know, becomes reality in some form or fashion. And when it's deserved criticism uh, and when it's done professionally, that's fine. But when it's not educated, uh, when there's no fact behind it, and when it's just to make fun of a, a coach or a program, that's immature and it's unprofessional. And so those people should be put in their place, no different than if I put a team on the field that doesn't perform well, that's on me. And whatever's said, I can handle that. But, you know, it's just it's gotten ridiculous. Like People just think it's funny to go out there and put people down that are working 100 hours a week and these kids that are grinding, what have they done? You know, and so just have some professionalism about it, you know, and when you critique people, do it with the knowledge that you need to have and Leave it at that. I mean, it's supposed to be a job, and I think for those of us as coaches, we're just sick of it, you know, and not sick of being critiqued. I mean, that comes with the job, but when there's a lack of education behind the words, that's it's a little different. Understood. Coach, a couple quick things I'll let you go. You mentioned the, the kids grinding there a minute ago. Um, I, I, those, those words just remind me, or, or, you know, they bring the words Peyton Wilson to mind. Have you ever coached yeah. a more tough-minded kid in your career than Peyton Wilson? He's unique. Uh, everything about him is unique. Uh, his love for the game, his passion for the game, uh, his, his athletic ability, mental toughness, you name it. Uh, and the fact that he's one of the most gifted athletes with all of that going on at the same time, just it's an absolute honor and pleasure to be around. All right, uh, on the other side of the ball, KC Concepcion. I, I think it's no secret that you know you guys have been looking for more skill players, more wide receivers, maybe just general you know players on your offensive side to step up. But he has certainly done that over and over again. What what makes him you know so gifted? What makes him you know who he is out there on the football field? Yeah, he, he, the game is. Uh, I'm not going to say it's easy for him, but he doesn't think a lot when he's out there. He's very natural. He's gifted. He's super competitive, and uh, he's a fast learner. I mean, he can really pick up things when you install them. And some guys require a lot of reps and need to see things a lot of different times, and he's just one of those kids that doesn't. You know, he gets the ball in his hands, and he knows what to do with it. So a lot of good things in front of him, a lot. And uh, it's been fun watching him, and I know he's not satisfied at all with what he's got so far. He wants more. Miami Saturday night. Um, no matter what this team's record is out of South Beach, we know they're always going to be talented, fast, and physical. What's it going to take to beat them? Well, it starts with not beating yourself. You know, last week we played a clean game. We won the turnover margin. We only had two penalties all day. Um, it's going to be a similar deal, and then it's going to be physical. You know, we've got to really do a good job on the line of scrimmage on both sides. They've got a talented group on the O-line and D-line, and they're committed to being physical, and so are we. So, it's going to be a fun game. All right, last thing. Uh, you and I talked about, uh, I think about a year and a half ago, about Ike Aquanu showing up here in Charlotte, really coming home to Charlotte. And he's had some good moments, right. and uh, he's had some rough moments too. And 
Um, you know, obviously he's struggling a little bit right now, but I don't think anybody's giving up on him. If he came to you for counsel right now, what would you tell Icky Aquanu? Uh, trust his training. You know, I think sometimes guys can overanalyze things and it slows them down. And uh, he is really, really good kid, tough. I know he's putting the time in and just trust what he sees and go be aggressive and remember what got him there. Coach, whenever you're on the schedule, I look forward to it. We appreciate your candor and your time as always. We'll see you again soon. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the kind words. Have a great day and go pack. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.